Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Daryl Blackburn sitting in for the esteemed Matt Watson and helping me tell the story of the million dollar bedroom. Welcome back, Daryl. Still here. You know, we had just left off talking about being a mad scientist and uh, I'm actually looking for, I, I still just think this is the, this was the one, some of the funnest most painful and and finally lucrative parts of the whole million dollar bedroom story. So we didn't in, in the last episode we didn't allude to what the mad scientist was researching. So I'm going to go ahead and do that. And you know I started noticing the same people that were sitting at the top of Google for all these things. And I realized I was, you know I started saying. Okay, they're generating a, they're making a unique web page, but it really seems like they're doing it in an automatic way. Except My City Rocks. That's who it was. It was. Yeah, it's a really terrible website. I'm sure it's still out there, but I started noticing it. Same couple people. And I was like, huh. So I called some people at Ticket Network. And, you know, at this point, we had made enough sales to maybe get a little bit of attention, but they still weren't really taking me too seriously. And I was like, Where's the list of all of the of all the shows? And I'm like, oh, cool! You can grab it. You can download that from here or wherever. So I went to go do that, and the very I remember it took like five minutes to download, which because bandwidth sucked back then. Well, in in context, it's a monster list. Yeah, but it, but now it would download in like yeah, two seconds, seconds, but it would take like five minutes. It sounds was, better than it, it took five minutes to download. It was so big. But it is true. It took yeah. forever to download. Um, so on that list, there was like, it was basically like having 27 columns by 95,000 deep. And it had all of the information about every event that was in the database that the network had tickets for. So, you know, and it, it, some of it was just like artist, venue, date, um, address, crap like that. And it was this huge list. A bunch of metadata. Like, so I, I downloaded it and I was like, oh, okay, well, this is where these people are getting this information from. And I was like, this can't be that hard. <laughs> famous last words it was without a doubt famous last words and because of that um i kind of ran into uh you know like trying to figure out how i'm gonna go ahead and uh and and you know do stuff you know get this figured out so having never really built a professional website at that point and we still really hadn't built one like we tried no. But we had had a local guy that had built us a really kind of shit template site. It's good, that relatively good, and that's what we, yeah, that's what we had been working on at the time. It had an okay homepage and whatever. But and that was a guy named Doug. Hi, Doug. Gonna throw you under the bus, Doug. But anyway, he'd done some very light development for us. We'd spent some money on it, but now I had this idea. I was like, I need to take this list. If I could take this list and I can build a program that generates unique web pages 
with a you now we learned a few things from blogging at this point but not a ton um so you know we knew that whatever was in the url and the page title were really important so at that point i was like we got to have a template we got to have this make a unique web page based on x criteria and we need to have it do it so it can make ninety-five thousand of them in a row I was like, what's so hard about that? Simple. Yeah. So anyway, so Doug started working on that and um, it started out okay. Um, I had told him I felt so strongly about this. You know, you know, good entrepreneurs sometimes know when you have to bet big. And I was like, if I can just figure this out, this would equate to big traffic. And um, you know, we were still doing our postings and stuff like that. And the phone had started to ring a little more, blah, blah, blah. Well, we got a couple months into this and this thing really hit a standstill. You remember how it would uh, start making pages and it would make like five unique ones. And then it would make the fifth page like 60,000 times. Yep. Um, there was one step prior to that because we weren't having a good time with automation. You remember the manual version of it? I do. Like the world's shittiest <laughs> UI. Brutal. You you type a few things in, and God forbid you misspelled Taylor Swift or something like that because you need to have a page that was all goofy. But, you know, we were able to make a page manually and it took like 10 minutes to make one. We'd have to type in all this stuff and then upload a picture and then click a button. And, you know, we thought that was pretty high technology, but we realized that it was, just wasn't back to scalability. It wasn't scalable. So, um, you know, so, you know, here we are, we're trying to move on. That's when I had the idea for what I re referred to uh, and still referred to as the APC, the automatic page creator. And that's what Doug had started working on. And he, he was doing okay. Um, but it really got to the point where it hit a standstill yep. and, uh, and it didn't work. And, you know, I kept asking him like, dude, you know, what's up? Like it's been two months now at this point and it's broken. It doesn't work. We're not making any progress. And he's like, you need someone that knows something about PHP. And I said, PH what? <laughs> I didn't even know what that was at that point, man. And I said, what do you mean? He's like, well, like you, do you use Facebook? And it's really funny that someone would ask that. But at that point, uh, MySpace was just as big as Facebook. I think at that point you still had to have a .edu to have Facebook. Maybe I don't yeah, know. It was but right it, around that time. It was, it was. I think I it had just kind of come out of it. But I remember, like at the time, being like, "I'm not going to use Facebook. It's MySpace page." <laughs> you know. Anyway, so here we are. And keep in mind, I'm still in school, and they keep talking about, you know, outsource and offshore and like, you know, all of this different stuff and. You know, I'm like, okay, that's great, Kelly School of Business, but how the fuck do I find offshore outsourced labor? Like they would tell you you needed to do it, and they absolutely did not tell you no. how to get it. Like how are you supposed to talk to somebody? Yeah, so I didn't know what. So here I am. I'm sitting there, and I'm going, uh, you know, by the way, uh, this the the – the title of this section is it's always sunny in Cebu city. Hello, Cebu. We love you. We'll be back there soon. Um, but you know, so I'm trying to figure out, I'm like, 
you know, so I dove a little deeper into it and I figured out, well, what's PHP? And, you know, he explained to me, I said, well, don't you know how to do that? And he's like, no, I'm a .NET programmer. So what does that mean? He's like, oh, that's Microsoft's platform or whatever. He says, this is what everybody uses. I said, well, it's clearly not what everybody uses because this the Facebook uses PHP and that's what we need to make this happen. And I said, well, why is it better? And he said, it's just a lot better at performing repetitive tasks. So I was like, well, why don't you try it? So he tried. And that's actually what brought us to the like the fifth page making itself over and over again, because he couldn't figure out what the problem was with that. And that went on for a little bit. So I'm sitting there thinking and, you know, once again, back to the mad scientist thing. And um, so, man, I Googled it. I Googled it and, you know, that brings it to another million dollar lesson. You know, Google pretty much has information and will update you and has the source of data for anything you ever need. I have learned other than everything you taught me, Daryl, <laughs> I have learned everything that I needed to know about modern business from Google and experience. But, you know, and even back in the day, I mean, you know, we're 2010 at this point. It told me how to, you know, it told me how to maybe outsource labor and, you know, outsource is finding people that are outside your company, company offshore is finding people that are outside your country. Um, they're one and the same. Um, but when it came to this particular scenario, I said, I have to, okay, so if everybody here in the United States has been using .NET, I need to go to the place where everybody has been using PHP forever because they have the opposite problem. That's where the experts are. And I'm going to do whatever I need to go find it. So Professor Google, remember, we're like looking this up. We're like, where are we going to find PHP yeah. programmers? We kind of came down to uh, India and the Philippines. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't know anybody from India, but I sure as shit knew someone from the Philippines. And it, it was a family friend. And, uh, well, I say family friend, there was a guy, uh, Del Rivera, and he runs a cleaning service here in Kansas city. And he, his uh, service, which was him and, you know, I mean, quite honestly, various members of his family throughout the year had cleaned my parents' house. And I was always really impressed with Del. He was a very, uh, happy, amiable guy, big smile, worked really hard. I was like, I'm going to call Del. So I called him up. I was like, Del, it's Matt DeCourcy. He said, Oh, hey. I said, I need a computer programmer. And I remember she said, you know, I clean houses, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I said, no, I need a computer programmer. And I'm thinking about hiring one from the Philippines. So like 10 minutes later, when he was done gleaming about the awesomeness of the Philippines, I was like, I was like, so where do I find one? Do I need to go to Manila? And he goes, no, you need to go to Cebu. And I said, so what? I'd never heard of Cebu City. Had you? No. Manila was the Manila only, was like the default the, answer. The only like, thing I could have told you. Yeah, yeah. right. So it seemed like the default answer. Everybody, I mean, it's the capital, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, uh, um, I was like, so we researched Cebu and, and, you know, he told me, he's like, it's like the technology capital of the Philippines. So I looked at him. I was like, man, this place looks cool. It's like on a tropical island right there on the beach. There's some mountains. Like, this seems pretty sweet. Okay, cool. So how the hell do we find a programmer here? Do I need to get on a plane and like, just like hold up a sign? Like I had no idea what to do. So I put an ad in the paper, <laughs> put an ad 
and I once I got a ton of responses. And that's actually what brought us to Rico, right? So, you know, and before I get into that, I want to talk about my outsource and offshore formula because I think it's important. Um, when it comes to employees or things that you're doing, you have to figure out how to measure output, productivity, results. And when it comes to offshoring or doing whatever it is and, you know, um, you know, and, and I'm not going to get into plugging what we do now, but, you know, I do own a company now that helps with some of this stuff, but you, you have to, you have to look at that output and you have a guy that makes $75 an hour and you have a guy that makes $25 an hour. Well, the guy that makes $75 an hour had better be doing or needs to do things three times better, three times faster in order to equal the cost of the $25 an hour guy. It's actually a really simple formula. I mean, would you agree? Yep. As simple as it can get. Well, we say you got to do things better, faster, or cheaper. Yeah. So one is already doing it cheaper. Right. So the or, well, maybe a whole lot better, a whole lot faster. Maybe that's your measuring stick. Right. So now let's be realistic. Like doing things three times better or three times faster in a competitive world is hard, especially faster. Yep. So I'm starting to look at this and I'm like, okay, well, maybe we can save some money. But anyway, so I get a lot of responses to this, to this ad. And I've got an email from a guy named Rico. And I emailed back and I actually had some uh, text chat with him via Skype. And uh, I told him what the problem was with the page creator and where we were stuck. And he said, oh, send me some of the code. So I did. And it was, I don't know, man, it's in the book. A couple hours later, not long at all. He After we had been weeks. We were months stuck. at that yeah. point. Months. It was a couple months because I was really like, I was really not happy with how much money I put in for how little progress we were making. But he looked at something and he sent me back basically like a couple lines of code, which to me, it just looked like gibberish. It still does look like gibberish. He said, try this. So I forwarded that over to Doug and I got an email back not long after that with the subject line, it worked. He's like, and the email is like, it fucking worked. So literally in the process of doing an interview, he had fixed that problem. So I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. That's freaking amazing. So here we are, we're in business now. Now, Doug had made something for us at that point that was working. And it started working. And then what we real what I found out a month later is that well actually you know what I bat, want to back up because we actually at that point realized based on the outsource formula that we had a much better value with Rico in the Philippines. We kind so of Rico had earned his position at that point, and he had, and he had, and so he and I back to mad scientist mode. At this point, I'm staying up late and I'm working really late. I'm working until like three in the morning and getting up at seven to buy tickets and, and do stuff like that. But, and we started to get this thing working. Well, the problem was I found out a couple months later because I got a phone call from a competitor asking me for a reference on Doug. And I said, well, what are you doing with him? He goes, Oh, he's got this program 
<laughs> he's got this program that'll help my website make pages automatically. And I said, what? And I informed him in a, a polite but stern way that that was my intellectual property in that regard. And Doug had once worked for me and that wasn't going to happen. So I contacted Doug, who said one of the more shocking things to me. He said, yeah, well, uh, you just took my code and gave it to Rico. I said, your code? I paid you to write it. You have a non-compete agreement with me. Um, I was pretty pissed off. I was like pitchfork in hand kind of pissed <laughs> off. Do you remember that? I do. Um, you know, and for those of you that uh, that don't know, you know, I, I'm, my father's an attorney. So I try to structure things in a way that makes sense legally. But I was pretty pissed off. You know, that brings us to a million dollar lesson. Even if you're remarkably pissed off and feel cheated or wronged, when you address it with the other party, it's imperative to remain calm and professional. It's possible that you don't have the whole story. And in addition, calling and immediately laying into someone isn't going to do much other than make them hang up on you or start yelling back. So we were kind of hot at that point, but I informed him. At that point, I, I FedExed the letter that was a cease and desist and, you know, made sure it was sent through FedEx. So I delivery receipt and, and that was advice that I got from my dad. Cause you know, I was pretty pissed off and I called him and he was like, son, calm down, calm down, chill out. You, you're, you're being too hot and emotional right now. And I'm like, yeah, but ah, I'm just so pissed. <laughs> I was so mad. Cause I, you know, like they really wasn't hit. So well, it especially wasn't his since he couldn't even make it work. I know it was unbelievable. That's the <laughs> that thing was that the shocked me. I was like, thing. what do you mean? You, your code, but, um, so, you know, anyway, and that, and that was the, you know, one of the things at that point that I felt that I had actually been smart about with the business, cause I had the foresight to create a non-compete and he was competing with me against with literally with my own shit. So what's really kind of funny is uh, we actually, that same person that let me know about that, I called him back and I sold him a copy of it shortly thereafter. But, you know, anyway, so here we are and we're starting to do some stuff and we're feeling a little better about it. And that's when I realized we're doing a lot of different things that are not related to what me and my business partner started this business for. I had, I had sold someone 25% in the business that bought and sold tickets. And now I'm developing technology. I'm doing affiliate marketing. I'm doing all kinds of stuff. And I mean, was it fair to say I had grown increasingly unhappy about maybe the contribution that was coming from my business partner? Fair to say would be an understatement. <laughs> but it was frustrating. There was a cloud over the room. Yeah. It, well, it, cause it got worse and worse. And, you know, the thing is, is, is what, and there's a, it, it, so many episodes on startup hustle with Matt Watson and I talking about, you know, actually, well, shoot, just a couple episodes ago, we had a whole episode about bad business partners. And, um, I, it's not necessarily that my business partner was bad, bad. It was that he just wasn't participating the yeah. way that, that we needed. And, 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 you know, from his perspective, when it came to some of the chances and the things that I wanted to do, cause once again, getting back to trying 10 things. So one worked, um, well, he didn't, he didn't really see it the same way because he just wanted to get paid out. 
And it started, and I started realizing, I was like, oh man, you know, there's, uh, this isn't going to work. And I, and I wasn't happy. And I realized I wanted to do a lot of other things and I didn't want to do it encumbered. I didn't want to feel encumbered with that. You know, I remember like trying to get permission for things or like trying to be a good business partner. It just didn't work. Well, at a time with a growing business, it's important to put the profit back into the business instead of constantly pulling it out to pay somebody who's not participating. So it was just on all levels frustrating. The money that you needed and you wanted to reinvest to continue to grow the business was going out the door to somebody that wasn't even present. I I was just being told not to spend money because it's money we could have split up. And, you know, the thing was, is like no one knew if any of the things I was trying were going to work. And, and really at this point too, we'd also well, that's back to your point about try 10 things and hope one succeeds. I well, think. we had spent about $20,000 trying to build the, the the MVP version of the page creator. Right. And it wasn't paying off really yet at that point. Yeah. But I really felt like it was going to soon. But I'm still, I'm hiring. Now I've got an employee in the Philippines. It's still not doing a whole lot. We weren't really seeing a whole lot of progress. I got tired of answering the questions. So I told him I wanted to buy him out. And he said no. And I was like, oh, shit, what am I going to do now? And I remember that, like, I was like, one, I was still kind of pissed at that point. I was like, man. So basically, long story short, I drew a line in the sand and I said, look, if you're not going to, we weren't really making much money off buying and selling tickets at that point. We were like, we weren't really making much money on anything at that point. And I had overhead. I had mm-hmm. had a couple employees and uh, we had decided that we really wanted to start putting more of an emphasis on marketing and SEO and stuff like that. And that's actually at the same time, I'm trying to orchestrate the buyout. Let's get into the, let's finish the buyout part first. So basically I drew a line in the sand. I said, look, if you're not now, I was appreciative though, because I, without that early money and without that early help, none of this was going to happen. And I said, you know what? I just need to, I just need to give an offer that, is really attractive. And on the flip side of that, I'm going to quit. I'm just going to quit because I I was still in school at that point. I was like, I'm just going to quit. Like, I don't need this crap. I'm not going to do this the way that we do it right now. Um, So that's what I told him. I said, look, you can take this amount of money. I'll pay you this much every month for a couple years. And it was, it was a lot. And he had already made his money back at that point. And I think I offered him about three times what he had already put in. As I say, it was pretty generous terms. Yeah. Well, it, it, yes and no. It was also the best stock purchase I ever made in my life because that 25% sure became worth a hell of a lot more later, yeah. like a whole lot. But also gonna, wouldn't have existed. It wouldn't have existed. I really was. I was going to quit. Well, I was going to quit buying and selling tickets because I real I hadn't made an agreement with him about software technology and marketing. And I felt like I almost at this point felt stronger about that part of the business that I did buying and selling I mean, tickets. I think it's fair to say our core competency at that point was anything but buying and selling tickets. It's what it was growing. The, we were growing the fastest yeah. with that. And, you know, so anyway, here comes the buyout. He ended up accepting it. And, you know, I was, do you remember me coming home that day after the uh, signing? Cause we had to do the paper. He would, he, uh, it was dragging on. I was finally like, dude, look, I'm coming over there and I want to sign it. You know, when I was there, he told me, he's like, you know, I don't want to sell this right now. I said, yeah, I get it. He goes, but we're friends. I want to stay friends with you. And you know, the money's attractive here. So cool. So we did it. You know, we stayed friends after that and you know, it was fine. Now, right around that same 
that same time, um, the second Jill in my life. And for those of you who don't know, I've been married twice, both to girls named Jill. Um, Jill, who I'd gone out on a date with the prior fall and had been seen, um, had graduated from school. And, uh, so I was, uh, and you know, as, as she had just graduated, that's when I got the letter from, uh, the, uh, you know, we had made this decision to do more blogging and to do more of this online marketing and all this stuff. And all of a sudden out of the middle of nowhere, I get a letter from the other an email from the girl, the other girl I'd been managing our office at the time, just really kind of, I mean, chastising me. Do you remember that? I do. It's kind of a, a complete disagreement in the vision of where we were heading. Right. Telling me that the focus, the placing the focal point on software development and technology and blogging and all that was a huge error. And well, I think that goes back to what we were just talking about. At that point, our core competency was not buying and selling tickets. Yeah. So there it, was just yeah. a difference in opinion of where we should put our focus, time, resources. And and, well, I felt really firmly, I felt strongly that that online marketing angle was something that was big. It was working. It, starting well, it was starting to work. To work. Starting to just, show promise. At this point, we had, had just gotten that page creator to actually work. It wasn't perfect, but it was working. And we're seeing some results. And we realized that what we could do, we had done some stuff with blogs. We didn't have a whole lot of help with it. But, you know, I wanted to put more time and effort and energy in it. And I was just kind of blindsided by that email. And it was really like telling me like all this stuff, like you're wrong and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, whoa, fuck. So I fired her <laughs> for what it is. I just realized that there was not a fit there philosophically. It was a problem. And I know that if you have people on your team that are vehement, vehemently opposed to your point of view, that it's it's a cancer, not a curse. So I will say in your defense, I'll take a step back. It's not like you read the email and sent back an email mm -hmm. and said you're fired. You gave... A chance you tried to talk to her and give her a chance to see your point and let you explain it a little bit more in depth and what your vision was. Because this came after a bit of a mad science yeah. moment. I think this plan was laid out due to one of those little sessions. Um, but you did give her a chance to come around and it just was not reconciled. It just wasn't a point. good fit. And right. there were some other, you know, some other things that, you know, that just didn't seem like a good fit. So we parted ways. Now up to that, um, my now wife and the second Jill had been helping us with some of that blogging stuff. And, uh, and this is the, what you can picture it says actually at this point, cause you know, we had grown to another room. I say the, the million dollar bedroom added a spare couch in the it, front room. It did. Well, the, we had the room and the room across the hall Yeah, and then it felt, still felt kind of tight. So at the time, um, my, my wife, Jill, who was my girlfriend at the time, had graduated from school and she didn't have a job yet. I was like, I want your help with the blogging stuff. She was like, all right, fine, whatever. So she started doing blogs and she would sit out there with her friend, Abby, who was working part-time for me. And they would just make blogs. And I realized Jill was really good at it because she was good at creating and still is good at creating interesting and funny taglines. Like get your tickets for Lady Gaga before they're Gaga gone. So she's like the innovator of the clickbait titles. You know, you know what's really funny is Jill was the very first person to, uh, the very first person to build a WordPress blog 
for our company. Mm -hmm. She figured out like how to, you know, how to do that and turn it on and, and all that stuff. And it was, it was pretty interesting, but so she, you know, and we'll give Jill a ton of credit cause she's really, uh, figured out, Hey, look, I'll make templates. We'll have certain areas that are variable and the content can be reused. And they started getting pretty fast at it. And that coupled with the page creator finally starting to work. Oh my God. We were like, we felt like we were, and of course, after getting the letter and having all that discussion about, you know, the direction of the company, we we're like, Oh my God, we figured this out, not just one way, but the other way. And man, did that phone start ringing? It's like you have these periods in business where everything feels like it's going wrong and everything that could go wrong goes wrong. And then you have these visions and you've had these a few times where you just have this perfect clarity of how a plan is going to lay out. And then it, that was like one of those moments where you hear the church bells and the sunshine and the squirrels and the birds chirping like this can work. It's we, all come together into the perfect little marriage. It was weird because honestly, there had been a lot. Oh, my God. The amount of work, the time, the effort, the frustration. Now, look, Daryl, is it fair to say that you and I aren't always the greatest at dealing with failure? I'm competitive, man. Oh, I'm terrible at it. And I'm not apologetic. Yeah, I know. I get it. And like, here I am. I'm like, it's like, lose, 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 L, L, L. I was like, oh my God, is this ever going to work? The and, only way I can survive failure is just the spin zone that from failure breeds success. Right, right. So, you know, all of a sudden this is working and we're like, oh, wow, this is really starting to pop. The blogs are working. The page creators are working. And then we got 2,000 phone calls in a month. <laughs> and I, so here's the thing. My bedroom was next to the million dollar bedroom and the offices. And this was an old house. Don't, don't picture this house at, with the million dollar bedroom in it as being nice. It was a very average house. It was old. We had a squirrel that lived in the floorboards and a chipmunk that was maybe, maybe in still there does. too. And oh my God, it was just like everything that you probably, it's not what, it wasn't really the picture of success at this point, but so the phone would never stop ringing. And I was like, oh my God, I got to do something about this. And, uh, you know, you know, really, I didn't know what, so I called ticket network and they were like, why are you answering all the phone calls? You should be a partner site. I said, what? And they told me all about it. And they're like, yeah, well, we take, you know, you're going to, we'll handle fulfilling all the orders. We'll answer the phone. We'll do whatever. I was like, I didn't even know that was possible. I mean, I was across the room wanting to rip the handset out of your hand and say, yes, 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 please. I, I know. I know. I didn't even realize it was a thing. So we talked about it a little bit and we said, sweet, let's do that. And when we switched that, that over and that phone quit ringing, it was weird. It was. It was just weird, but we started seeing the sales come through our, our admin dashboard and we we're like, wow. So that was really at that point, the first time we were truly affiliate marketers, because that's really what the, that plug-in technology and what we we're doing was. It was, a, it was an affiliate site. We, we rarely, if ever, owned the inventory. We're selling it, it. And what that did was that was really our first experience in, oh, wow, we just got way more efficient. We didn't have to talk to on people to the phone. We didn't have to deal with procuring and then sending things. We didn't have to do with so much of it. 
And I was like, oh, wow, this is, so this is what it's like. I, I, I will, I look back and I think about that as, as, uh, you know, all of the things that, you know, we did that was immediately profound. That was it. It, well, so for me personally, that was a big moment because up until that point, I like to think that I'm pretty competent and I could have my hands in a lot of things and I have a lot of potential to grow. But at that point, I was so bogged down with the phones right. that I didn't get to be participating in a lot of these mad science and didn't really get to do anything. I didn't get to do anything other than talk to people on the phone and deal with that, which if you know my personality, I'm a lot like Matt DeCourcy which sometimes that's not <laughs> what I want to be doing on a daily basis. Wait. Well, so so it, that was a not, huge turning point for me because it opened up You don't want to be time. on the phone all day talking to people about right. what's close to Roe v or C. You want to work Correct. on things that are a little more. I want to contribute to the bottom line right. in the most productive did. way possible. And that wasn't at the time. No, but that did. That, but it was hard for us to back away from it because we hadn't really found a huge amount of success right. yet. So we were like, God, are we going to be able to deal with this? And, we do, and I don't think we were you know, smart enough or experienced enough. We were smart enough. We weren't experienced enough to figure out how much energy, effort, and emotion we were really spending on the phone and right. the, the whole fulfillment process. So to have someone deal with that for us, well, it, it really helped. And, you know, at this point we were finding what we were doing interesting and, you know, but it had gotten to be a grind, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And that brings us to a million dollar, you know, lesson. And, and that's that, you know, try to keep your business involved with things that you find interesting. And, you know, that's what gets you through the days where you feel like it's a grind. And, you know, the side lesson is that most of us find money interesting. So making a lot of money doing things, doing some things will make them interesting or at least interesting enough. It doesn't hurt. Yeah. So, you know... And, and we'll, we'll just go ahead and, and arrive at the next lesson as well is that even if you're already the best at what you do, you need to always focus on getting better. Your competition is never that far behind you. And the reason that I, I throw that lesson in is because we very quickly pulled up on the rear and not even pulled up on, we passed the people that we were seeing that were being successful, Right. Definitely. I mean, all of a sudden we're seeing our stuff show up higher in the, in the search engines. And that's when I had my first real um, feeling of, okay, this could be scalable. So we'd already hired someone in Cebu and that's, yeah, that's, well, that's when we decided we, you know what, we're going to build an online army. I'll never forget this part. So we had found someone, you know, through, placing an online ad, but it wasn't really that effective. And that's when we went back to Dr. Professor Google. That's when we first found out about what was at the time called Odesk, which is now Upwork, but we could find contractors online. And, you know, now they have a, a floor for what someone can get paid. But we were like, of course, in my jump and then build wings mentality. Remember, I hired, it was, we hired like eight or 10 people. Yeah. We have people all over the world. We're like, we're going to try them everywhere. I mean, we hired people in China. Uh, oh God, everywhere, everywhere. There was like six or seven different countries on that list. And that list thinned down quickly. It did. What we liked about it is we could actually see what they were doing and monitor some of the progress because it took screenshots of their desktop. And like, remember we saw someone playing video games? Yep. 
that okay. was a that was one that was a quick gone. Yeah, you're gone. But as we got down to the last few, there was one particular worker that was always getting high output, but we couldn't get a hold of him. We couldn't seem to communicate with him. We're like, God, but he keeps working so hard. And then all of a sudden we got down to like two people. We finally got a hold of this dude. And he's like, Oh, I've just been busy working. And I was like, you need to open Skype. <laughs> so we can send you a message. The other part of that, uh, uh, the other person that was left, because that's how quickly this then ended up washing out. And it just happened to be that the, one last man standing was in Cebu. And that's when the light bulb popped. I was like, oh my God, we should probably just keep hiring people in Cebu. If we're going <laughs> to do this for a while, we could, you know, who knows, maybe we'll start a company there and, 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 and there will be people that, you know, they could have meetings. So this guy started doing, you know, well, and, I was like, you know what? I don't, I'm, I don't want to go. I don't want to hire 10 more people to try to find another. I should ask him if he's got someone else to hire. He said, yeah, actually my wife's looking for a job. So, all right, cool. So we hired her. There's something I noticed along the way though. And that's that he wasn't even working full time. And so, you know, as I was trying to hire him and his wife, you know, and, and they were, you know, not even working full time. I was like, why? And so, well, we're not really sure if this is going to last. And while you pay me five times more than what I make working at my job, which by the way, was a job for like 65 cents an hour at a blue cross blue shield place entering data. Like when you go to the doctor and you fill out the same form 65 times, that's what they were doing. And, and I, that's when I really learned the first thing about the Philippines is that they didn't have the same kind of social institutions we have like unemployment. So they really worried about it. So I made a commitment to them that, you know, like, okay, you start doing this full time. You let your wife start doing this full time and we'll keep you around for a little bit. Right. And, and, you know, they, they, uh, they did really well. And now here's the thing. So now we're around the summer coming into the fall of 2010. And I have a big decision to make. I have to decide whether or not I'm going to go to school again. And I had a year of school and here's the thing. And I, the prior semester of which our timeline just went through, I had dropped three classes out of five because I wasn't paying attention. I was like in class, like trying to buy tickets and shit, <laughs> just like, you know, just different stuff. And it, it just wasn't working out, man. I had a big decision to make. And so I dropped out of school for the fifth time in my life. Um, it was tough. It was a tough decision. Cause you know, like I had to call my parents and here, you know, it's my decision, but I realized I could always go back, but I really felt like what we were doing at this point, were you starting to feel like we could make some money? Definitely. I think at that point we had proven the concept that it could work. Yeah. So, and, and then it was just, a, and at that point, I think we had been around long enough to know that nobody doing this was necessarily smarter than us. Right. And I think that was one of the big validators for us to know, like we have a chance to really succeed here and do something pretty good. Right. And we started seeing the results and, and that was right around the first time we started making some money. Yeah. 
you know, and, um, was that, was that, that was right around the same time that you actually left for a little bit though, wasn't it? It was. So I graduated in spring of 2010. Right. And that was right. And you, and so, well, spring meaning May. Yes. And we were, and you worked with us a little bit in the summer, but I remember at that point, I still wasn't, well, I wanted to be fair to you and you just graduated yeah. from school and I was like, I don't want to hold them back. I don't know if this is ever, cause you grad, do you graduate with honors or something like that? Or I something? did. Yeah. And, and, and you from a top 10 business school and did this mm-hmm. guy who's been done a really great job, you know, I said, you know, and I was trying to be realistic. I was like, I just don't know if this is ever going to get big enough. Yeah. I, I think we, at that point we knew it could work, but it was like, how long, how big it, there were a lot of unknowns at that point that, uh, yeah. And I, I think to be fair to me, you didn't want to hold me back or keep me from pursuing something that could potentially be bigger. Right. We, we just didn't know what we didn't know. Right. And point. you know, and effectively at that point you were completing an internship, right? It wasn't really like, Hey, you know, I'm going to be able to pay you 10 grand a month and stuff like that. So, um, you know, that is what it is, but, and a lot of things had kind of gone on autopilot at that point. Page creator was working. We had people overseas doing a lot of stuff and, you know, Jill was working there with me and it seemed okay. And yep. anyway, that was a big mistake. And we ended up letting you go <laughs> letting you even leave was a big mistake. But so we, you know, anyway, here I am, I drop out of school. I'm focusing all my time on all this stuff. And, um, here we come for spring of, of, uh, well, you know, I'm going to actually back up. So along the way, we did a lot of different stuff. God, for we tried everything. Um, and at the time, there was a thing. I don't even, they might even still be a thing. I don't know. They were called Paul and Angela links. And the Paul, Paul and Angela were a business that would publish a, they would give you, at the beginning of every month, they would give you a list of websites that had a profile page within them so you could sign up for like carrie underwood's fan club and then they you know those things have like a little bio page and it but the whole thing was is you could in the about me section you could create a text link back to your website so these were high authority websites that you could oh maybe create a text link that said justin bieber tickets in it And for those of you that don't know how Google works, they look at the words that are in the link that point back to your site, along with the power or popularity or authority of the site pointing back to you. And that's how they start to rank you. I was like, okay. So the thing was, is it took kind of a while. You had to sign up for the site. You had to create these links, blah, 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 blah. But I mean, fuck it. I had a couple of people that were that we're doing well. And, you know, and honestly, at this point, the two people we had, I was like, you know what, we need more, go find some more people. And they went back to that place. I said, go back to the place that was paying you 65 cents an hour and find me the four best people you can. So they did actually it was two and then two more, but it it happened really quickly. So now all of a sudden we do have an online army. We have six people and I'm like getting these link, these, uh, Paul and Angela links, and I'm having them just post links everywhere and go crazy. And oh my God, you want to talk about results? Um, the reason I call that section Paul, Angela, and Justin Bieber too 
because at one point we had gamed the system so hard that you could actually search the term Justin Bieber tickets and our page about Justin Bieber came up number one. Now people look, that's valuable. We were getting <laughs> seven, 800 visits a day and he wasn't even on tour. He didn't have any tour dates. In fact, I was actually worried at this point because the website was, so at this point, and the reason that we were kind of coasting a little bit is the website and our partnership agreement and all that, the phone wasn't ringing. We were making this kind of passive income. And at the time I was pretty cool with that. So I was actually worried. I remember having legitimate worry that, and, and you know, you were still keeping in touch with us at some point. Yeah. We went to some events, like you came to our, like we did some Christmas stuff and we were still friends at that point. Mm -hmm. I was telling you, I was like, man, we kind of figured this out. Like Google Justin Bieber tickets. And you're like, oh wow, what? You know, the, the holy grail of that, search uh, terms at that time. That's and, really funny. That was really like the one yeah. that I wanted other than the term concert tickets, which we did pretty good on, but never number one. So, um, so here we go. And then I was concerned that, uh, that if Justin Bieber announced a tour, it was going to like overload the server and the whole site would go down or whatever now. Um, so anyway, we've done pretty good. Uh, I will say this at this, at that point, we were now making about a thousand dollars a day passively. And I say passively, like meaning we still had people that were posting ads and the page creator running and stuff like that. But past that part of the marketing mechanism, the rest of it was automatic. You know, we were making 11, 12% on every sale. That was the affiliate payout. And that's the way affiliate stuff works is it's results oriented. So when you generate a sale, whoever you're an affiliate for will pay you back some money. So we're like, Oh my God, we are the smartest people in the room. <laughs> We're making a thousand. And at this point, like a part of the decision, even with you leaving at one point was like, I, I think we'll be able to support ourselves, but maybe not a whole bunch of employees. And then we've got all these people overseas. So, you know, like we'll just see what happens. So yeah. here we are and we're starting to milk it. And I'm like, you know what, man, this is going so well. I'm going to go on a vacation, dude. So I booked a, a flight to, uh, to St. Thomas and actually called you and ask you if you could come man the ship oh. for a week. And were you, were you, were you on, how did you even do that? You when you were working somewhere else. So I just took a week off. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And at that point we were doing pretty good. I probably offered to give you a couple grand. Or yeah. Something. And I'm, I'm notoriously awful with vacations anyway. So yeah, yeah, I, I'm, nor, I'm normally looking for a way to, to use them. Yes. yes without I, leaving. Yes. At, well, at one point we forced you to take one. Yeah. yeah that you're not, that was later in Not the Not the last one to do that. Yeah. So um, so here we go. I'm stoked. Uh, at this point, now we're making like 1500 bucks a day. It's all starting to click. I'm like, oh my God, this is awesome. Uh, my girlfriend, Jill, and now my wife, Jill, uh, we get on a plane. We go to St. Thomas. We are having the time of our lives. And, and for whatever reason, it, it even upticked. And I remember at one point, because I'd spent like 4,000 bucks on the vacation and we earned that much in the first two days that we were there. And I, I was like, you know, I remember thinking up to that point, I think I knew deep down inside it wasn't going to last, but you know what? You ride the shit out of that stuff while it does. 
but I think I knew deep down inside it wasn't going to last. But I remember, it, and for whatever reason, it really did peak right before it literally fell off the cliff. So we're there, and it's the last few days of the trip. And I start noticing that our traffic and our sales are dramatically falling off. And I was like, what the hell? What's wrong here? So this was literally like the last couple of days of the trip. And, it, and, and you know, I thought maybe it's just a lull because, you know, with ticket stuff and events, it comes in bursts, you know, like when things get announced or right before events. Yeah, and it was, it was kind of right before that period where everything really normally gets announced. Right. So it was a dead period it, anyway. It was in the spring, but we were happy to be doing as well. I remember it was Kid Cuddy. At, at somewhere in New York, like Terminal Five or something, and I was like, on one of the days right before it 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 it, it, it died, was one of the days that we had made like fifty or sixty sales, and they were largely for that. And I was like, oh my god, this is powerful. So all of a sudden, I'm seeing this die, and we get back on the plane, and I'm concerned about it, but I'm really not. Let's put it this way. If you're familiar with Enron and their stock price and what that graph looked like or Daryl Blackburn's Brontosaurus reference or whatever <laughs> you can picture that is a cliff falling off. By the time I was back in, in, at home for a day and a half, our 90% of our web traffic was gone. It was like, okay, first off, I felt sick to my stomach because we, we hadn't, we had been making money. And we had been done, we had done well, we made enough of it, but you know, not so much of it that I was like, you know, Hey, we're retiring or anything, but and just go back to St. Thomas and retire. So that's when I said, <laughs> turn well, the plane around. Well, that's when I say we got killed by a panda and I didn't even know this was a thing at the time, but so what had happened was with our massive duplication and publication of content, what had once driven us to insane profits had now destroyed us. The Panda update by Google, as it's called, I didn't even know why. I was like, I was so pissed. I was like, why the fuck is this even called Panda? It turns out <laughs> the guy who like wrote the algorithm was, his nickname was the Panda at Google. So anyway, it's a, here's Panda. But what Panda did was it duplicated web, it, 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 uh, it penalized websites that had duplicate content and God, we had a lot of it. Cause remember we were reusing templates. templates and then we had also figured out a way to use tags in the WordPress site that would make the same page with a different URL. So we went from getting, I don't know, 30, 40,000 something hits a day to like nothing. And we had 1.5 million blog pages <laughs> on the back of the website. And I remember being, uh, you know, here I went, I'm like, you know, no big deal. I'm going into mad scientist mode. I'll see you guys in a bit. And three days later, I'm just, I have no clue. I have no clue. And I even got to the point where I was like, I realized as people were talking about the duplicate content penalty, that in fact, I needed to remove all these pages. And that was a tough decision because that's what drove the traffic. But I realized we weren't coming back without it. I mean, long story short, that website never came back. It no. never, it never came back. It's like when you get penalized by Google, my God, they are not messing around. So, you know, I had to try to learn to adapt. And, uh, you know, before we move along to the adaptation, you know, it's like, uh, 
you know, at some point too, like I was concerned, I was like, are we selling too much stuff? Like, how are we going to handle this? You know, having too many sales is a blessing, not a curse. So you got to figure out how to handle it and you don't ever do anything to reduce your sales. But, um, you know, the, uh, you know, the whole practice of, of black hat SEO will eventually catch up with you. I, I learned that the hard way there. Um, so, you know, and, and, you know, still along the way, you know, talking about like with some of the decisions, you know, I've always said, you, you have to learn how to spend less and sell more, sell more, spend less. If you can find good ways to do it, you're going to do both. Um, you know, and then, and, you know, really at this point I had to give a, a strong amount of thought to, man, what am I going to do? Cause it, we came two, three months down the road and we still hadn't figured it out. Um, you know, and, and, and before we talk about how we fix that and how we scaled things back up at this point, I'm now in the fall of, what was that? 2011. Yep. And I'm going, Oh my God, like we're running out of money. Like I'm seeing what we had just built. Like now it's kind of like, it's kind of blowing up and I didn't know what to do. And I was really frustrated. I'm no longer in school. And now what I thought was going to make me rich is actually a huge expense. And that's when I got to what I believe every business, every entrepreneur, every innovator has. And I call it the coin toss moment. It's pretty simple. It's like, hey, we're going to flip a coin. If it's heads, we'll keep doing this. If it's tails, we won't. And I told Jill about it. And I said, I said, you know, this is a, it's a coin toss moment. And I was like, I'm going to flip a coin. And if it's heads, we'll keep doing this. If it's tails, I'm going and getting a job. And she looked right back at me and she said, you're not going to go get a job. <laughs> I said, All right. Maybe you're right. But the, the decision we had to make was because at that point we still hadn't really made enough money. The business wasn't funded. And it's such a hot topic with businesses is capital and finance. And you know, you have a background in finance and, you know, so, I mean, why is, how does that, you, you can grow fast, but if you don't have the capital and the funding and the financing. You're only as good as your resources in that context. So if you don't have the money to back it, your growth is limited. And honestly, your long-term success period is limited. Forget about growth. Uh, I mean, it could be a complete business killer. So. Yeah. And, and now along the way, because at the time, you know, look, no one was funding that business. We weren't going to do a capital raise and sell shares and stuff like that. So I had to figure out how to be clever in the, the same way that I had an original business. My original business partner had contributed credit cards to uh, to help along the way. Well, I was like, man, that's a good idea. So we had started doing that. We started uh, you were in on that at one point. Oh my God, everybody I knew. I remember some people were like, hell no, I'm not giving you my credit card. I'm like, you make a lot of money off the points. You make- say by the end, it was just turning everyone down. Like, no, I don't want your credit card. Yeah. No one wanted to give them to, no one it. wanted to give them to us at first. And then everyone did. Cause they started, it was like FOMO, man. Everyone was, you know, this fear of missing out. Cause oh. so, you know, I went from seeing, making all this money to then, you know, basically giving most of it back. And and the problem that I created and the reason we had a coin toss moment in the first place was, well, we weren't adequately funded. So we had basically, uh, and that was really my first true uh, experience with leverage. Daryl, what's leverage? The ability to spend what you do not have. 
Right. And, and leverage it yep. and use that. Cause you know, imagine a lever and you can create a lever and move a boulder. Yeah. Well, there's a problem with leveraging too. And that's if you over leverage yourself and you break that stick <laughs> that's trying to move the boulder, you're screwed. Yeah, the repercussions are just as heavy as what you were trying to move. So you want to talk about riverboat gambling stuff? I'm literally, I've literally, and I mentioned earlier to not tr to try not to do business too much with your family and your friends because if you have to fire them, they're going to hate you. How the fuck are they going to feel if you charge tens of thousands of dollars on their credit card and don't pay them back? Anyway, we went ahead with that approach, and it started working out. It worked out. You know, we started buying some stuff again, um, and you know, selling some stuff, and we started doing all right. But I realized that because we were also at that point, like paying money to people to use their cards um, and it was really expensive form of financing. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, at what point did we bring you? Did you come back? Because you came back shortly after early 2012. Okay. Yep. So, and we're accelerating the story here because, you know, we had that coin toss moment was in 2011, yeah. late 2011. Yeah, you and I, I remember getting the phone calls about that. You're like, dude, I'm just going to flip a coin. Yeah. And, but yeah. no, you're not. But I mean, I, I really did think about it, but that's where we, you know, we figured that out. And that's yeah. where, that's where we had to figure out how to fund it and how to leverage it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, you know, that's, when I learned about the American Express gold card and getting one. And I was like, wait a minute, there's no preset limit on here. And we'll get to that here in a minute. But um, I learned how to really leverage stuff. And at this point, I'm taking pretty big chances because, I mean, we had a lot of money out. I had it out on my friend's cards. I had them out on everything else. And we were learning some things about cash flow at that point because we had started uh, doing business with venues. Like, I, you know, with, and, and that actually kind of started the year before, um, I remember, so I remember when a representative from a local, an unnamed local venue called, and that's when you were still there and we were, Close. we were so nervous. We were like, oh my God, do they know what we're doing? Do they know we're scalping tickets? Yeah. I still remember answering that phone call like it was yesterday. And it felt like when you hear your name over the intercom and you're getting called to the principal's office, like, oh no, they you know. Hung up, you hung up the phone, even though I was sitting like right across the hall from you, you were like, no, uh, there's no one here. I'll have to have someone call you back. Yeah. It click, you know, and you're like, <laughs> well, they called and I was like, oh man, like, should we call them back? It's funny. I called them back. They wanted us to scalp tickets for them, which was funny. So yeah, that was, I remember going to the meeting and everything. I was like, Oh, I'm nervous. But anyway, so here we are, we're leveraging a lot of stuff. And then the American express gold card comes along and that was actually one of the turning points. That was one of the things, um, that I thought was really great. And, um, you know, we learned some things about the life cycle of cash and what it takes to, you know, you know, selling stuff in advance and having to pay it back. And, you know, leverage is a lot of people have used leverage to their advantage and a lot of people have ruined their life with and their business with leverage. So you got to be really careful. I'm not saying get an Amex card and do that. But anyway, we started seeing some things pop at that point. Um and uh, things started really going well. And then here I am at the end of 2011 and I've got to file my taxes. And I was like, 
Oh my God. I realized I had created a ball of rubber bands that was insane. And that's because I was now using 16 different credit cards to all these different things, money coming in, money going out. And it really went back to, you know, the prior stuff. And when I say a ball of rubber bands, if you've ever seen one, you've ever tried to deal with one, um, it's really hard to unwind. So at this point, we now we're leveraging things into a positive way. We started doing more business with venues and places where we could get things in a bulk quantity and weren't just trying to buy tickets when they went on sale and stuff like that. But we had to learn to manage some stuff. Um, somewhere along that point is you had come back. Yep. And I was yeah. like, I remember calling you back and I was like, all right, dude, it's time. We're good. It's time to come back. And, uh, and, you know, and you had done that and we started really selling some stuff and it wasn't too far into that when the phone call from Amex came. <laughs> the phone call from Amex. And the first phone call from Amex was actually saying, Hey, um, and you know, this is where that ball of rubber bands came in because we were trying to untangle a really ugly accounting situation that we had created. We had commingled my personal funds. We had done a lot of other things. And, uh, you know, they wanted to look at our, they wanted to look at our financials. And I said, oh shit, this, this point, the business hadn't even been open for three or four years. And I was smart enough to know that this was big trouble. And they had called because we had finally leveraged an amount of over a hundred grand that we were paying off on time still. We never paid late or anything like that, but they wanted to look at our financials. I knew it was going to be a freaking disaster. So we had to hurry up. And despite many answered, uh, non-answered calls from them and whatever, they finally ended up sending notes. Like, if we don't have this info from you, we're turning off your account. And I was like, oh, shit. So we really got hot and heavy on getting those, uh, getting those, uh, um, you know, those financials back. It did not take but a couple days for what we will refer to as the call. <laughs> Daryl, why don't you tell everyone about the call? And we're almost hey, through, we're almost through this episode. And this is a, uh, this is an amazing way to, uh, to get us into what will soon be the third section of the million dollar bedroom. So the call came after Amex had received our untangled rat's nest of financials and they had appropriately reviewed our untangled rat's nest of financials and deemed that our financials did not meet their standards and they would be cutting our limit significantly in half yes. in half. Like it was supposed like to be a card with no limit rippling. and now we had a $50,000 limit and we had, so we were basically at the point where not only, had they, they now put a limit on what was supposed to be unlimited. I was $50,000 away from even not being overdrawn. And I, and I, and I was like, Oh fuck. Well, Daryl, what happened? <laughs> so I, so I, I was in the office with you, which was the million dollar bedroom. And just to give you an idea of the layout of the house, the, the second room that we had expanded to shared a hallway that was, three and a half feet wide and the doors were parallel to each other to where you could 
easily see straight into the next room. Or in this case, get the information that was potentially crippling to the entire business. Calmly hang up the phone, turn around, and launch it from the million-dollar bedroom (laughs) into the basically connecting bedroom, thus shattering the phone into a million pieces. So it's needless to say that everyone that was on a waiting breathlessly to see the result of the call very quickly knew the result of the call in which you just walked out and didn't come back for a few hours after shattering the phone. We found pieces of that phone for the next year and a half until we moved, we moved out and found pieces. I mean, this, it, 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 it exploded. Yeah, it really did. It was like a cordless handheld that I had a headset on and you know that, and, and, and you know, I'm not proud of that, but I, and there, and that section of the book is called a smash phone, some cursing and the feeling of, Oh shit. Cause I knew it was a huge problem. And I'll be honest with you. It was, it, it created a huge problem. It immediately created, and you know, the, I was so mad about that. I was so freaking mad about that. And because we didn't have a bad payment history, we had paid everything and, you know, and it was, and what it was, it was, it was a guy in an accounting office that looked at the three years of sales and no business looks good in their first couple of years of sales. And they just deemed us as a risk and they put that, that limit on it. And, you know, it was trouble, man, it was trouble. And, you know, long story short, we worked our way out of it. We worked our way out of it and, you know, it it was, there was a lot going on, man. There was a lot going on and and it took quite a bit. It took a lot of, of, of maneuvering and stuff like that to get through it. So anyway, we figured it out. The business kept rolling for a little bit. I'm going to keep pushing this story forward because we're going to get in. We're about to wrap up section two here. But at that point, I decided to get married. You'll always remember, we can tell the story, Daryl, when I came home <laughs> with the wife, the ring for my wife. As long as we have it. So I, ha- I have one bone to pick as long as I'm on the podcast. A few episodes ago, I think you referred to Matt Watson as your hetero life mate. <laughs> but I think that you have overextended yourself because I was the original hetero life mate, which never actually concluded. You were. So I just want to on record that you did propose to me before you proposed to your wife. <laughs> I did accept. And somehow I've still, I'm still behind two other people. I uh, went and to clarify the, and the story here, I had uh, recently had a, had a wedding ring made for Jill, who's now my wife, but I came home from the store with it. And, uh, and Daryl was sitting at his desk and we shared the same room in the million dollar bedroom at that point. But he was had his back to me and I got down on my knee and he turned around and I had the ring already open. I was like, Daryl, will you marry me? And uh, he said, yes, but that was, you have to admit, that was one of the funnier moments. It was, that um, was funny. you know, and that was, that was months after the, the smashing of the phone. And, you know, what's going to segue us into this next, this next piece is now I'm getting ready to go get married. And, uh, you know, and we're all the way up to the point where we're going to get married and we're getting ready to go to St. Thomas. And I had one job and that was to take our dogs to the kennel, to the groomer 
And, um, and here I am, it's like four 30 the day before we're supposed to leave at 6am. And, um, oh, by the way, I did ask my wife to marry me and she did say yes. So we get a few months down the, down the time frame, and I have to take my dogs to the groomer and it's four 30 and I'm picking up the phone and I'm calling and I'm starting to get nervous at this point because no one's answering the phone. I'm like, Oh my God, if they're not there, I'm in deep shit. So I, three calls later, no one had answered the phone. I finally just grabbed these two little French bulldogs and I throw them in the back seat and you know, they're slobbering and doing everything in the back seat. And I'm just sitting there, I'm driving there and I'm going, man, why won't anybody answer my phone? Why can't I do any of this online? Blah, 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 blah. And I was literally talking to myself. So I pulled up outside of the grooming place and they were open and I was like, Oh my God, thank you. And, and I was at that point, if no one was actually in there working, I was at, at a minimum going to just open the door and put the dogs in there and run. Cause if I messed up the one thing I had to do for the wedding and it was just as simple as drop off dogs, then I would have done, I would have been in deep trouble. But anyway, I opened the door, the little bell on the door rings and out from the back, I hear, I'm back here. And I go in the back and there's this lady and she has got this enormous dog and a giant soapy tub of bubbles. And I immediately knew why she couldn't answer the phone. So say, hey, I'm going to drop off the dogs. And anyway, I hurried on the way out there. I hurried on the, hurried out. And on the way back, I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, man, this is my friend's business. Like how much business is she doing? Why can't you book this stuff online? Why can't you do any of this stuff? Keep in mind, I'm leaving to get married the next day. And here I am coming up with my next entrepreneurial idea, which is by the way, is not a good recipe. Try to have your better <laughs> ideas and build things that you be, may become passionate about after you get married if you are having these ideas the day before the wedding. But I was like, God, why can't you do this online? And why can't you do this? And why can't you do that? And I'm like, we've done all this and we've done all that. So anyway, I'm going to tell you more about what that idea was, how that shook out and everything related to it. Um, well, Daryl, we made it through section two. I know. The, uh, fortunately for those listeners, unfortunately, if you're really enjoying this, um, this story is really about to accelerate. The next two sections aren't going to be quite as long. I love the whole up and downs. Um, you know, really at this point, uh, you know, the, t our, our ticket business had stabilized. Um, you know, we didn't even actually get into some of the ways we, we, you know, we had repurposed some technology and we had done some stuff and, you know, and not wanting to make this the world's longest episode. We've actually had longer, Daryl. Yeah. Believe it or it's not, 70 minutes later, but yeah, stick with us. The next, uh, the next two are, are fast and, uh, they have quite a bit of still entertaining content. So we'll see you here in a few. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCarsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe and we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.